This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 48 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Bates Saddles, and Casual Products. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. Brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. On today's show, we get the scoop of the RRP 2021 Mega Makeover with the director, Jen Reutz. Alicia Harlow from the Humble Hoof jumps on to talk about tips and tricks to improve the quality of your horse's hooves. And Leander brings us some big news for new vocations, as well as our adoptable horse of the week. Stay tuned. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. What's happening, sister? How are you surviving up there in Michigan? Mich- like the winter's been pretty, pretty mild, so that part's been good. But some fun facts, I am relocating in March, Yes. Some our auditors know I'm uh, splitting for my husband. So I'm on this new adventure for 2021. Yeah, it everything's good. It's just a new, exciting thing to do. And hey, if anything, probably the time to do it after 2020. Just saying. I mean, but, you know <laughs> what? 2020, we just all say goodbye and we move forward. So move and, forward. I mean, obviously I knew about this. I, I'm not trying to like sound like I'm surprised, but uh, th- I think what you're doing is um, an empowering thing for yourself. And I'm super proud of you. So you went apartment hunting and new barn hunting. How'd yes. that go? So I would say new barn hunting is almost as stressful as shopping for a horse. Oh, okay. <laughs> So I think I went to about seven or eight different barns in the new area that I'm going to be in. And some of them were concerning to say the least. Oh my God. (laughs) You know, it was some of the common things like, oh, not really big enough turnout space or the horses weren't getting real turnout. But there was one barn, Jamie, just, just one barn. They messaged me on Facebook. They're like, Hey, I have an opening for your horses. It's like, okay, great. Went over there. The horses were standing and like, six inches of just their own feces and mud. And I definitely saw molded hay. I was like, this isn't good. And then I got up there and these people who looked like they came out of a TV show, way too animated, even for Michigan. I, I didn't trust it. Uh, came out, they're like, hi, welcome to the farm. Let me show you these spaces. The stalls were so short that I don't even know if I'd feel comfortable putting my 14 hand Arab in there. Like maybe a 12-hand horse I felt comfortable with. And they're and showing off the barn and they didn't even muck out the stalls before you came? No, but they did offer me a job before I even saw the rest of the place. Let me give you, uh, if I can, <laughs> the biggest piece of advice from the last 10 years of doing a podcast. Or I've been doing horses in the morning for 10 years. When I go to look at a horse or I go to look at a facility or I have anything to do with any horse issue whatsoever, I never lead with the, or tell that I have a podcast where I talk about horses. Oh, no, no. Because (laughs) I always say like, I hope you're not listening because I'm talking about you. Okay. So please, (laughs) please, please tell me you did not tell them. My name is Joy. I host Retired Resource Radio. Not that you would, but what if it came up? Oh my God, deny. Oh, no, no. 
Never came up with that one. If anything, I was like, Joy's not even my real name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, my name let's, is Susan. Let's say this never happened. Uh, yeah, it was quite interesting. And I get there and they're like, this is our indoor. And they're like, we primarily focus on dressage. Meanwhile, I'm watching a cow pony do barrels. Oh, well, I mean, you know, to each <laughs> your own. But yeah, don't tell me this is dressage and show me some barrels. It was not did dressage. You, did you find a place? I did. So after that, I'm going to say it, that shish show, I did find a place because I was panicking. I was like, oh, gosh, I'm never going to find anywhere. I found a mini pig farm that just happened to have a boarding facility. I was like, this seems weird. Might I'm as well sorry, stay on this track. It's a pig farm? <laughs> Um, or a mini, mini pig farm. Mini okay. pig farm. And it's like, this seems weird, but we're already on the weird track, so might as well keep it going. JB, this place was beautiful. Oh Absolutely beautiful. It looked like it came right out of Lexington, and I can't wait to show everyone photos once I get the horses settled in. The owners are phenomenal. The horses look great. The pastures are amazing. Oh, and it's right by a hunt club, uh, a venting facility, and a dressage center. Oh my gosh, you want oh, the lottery? The but four minutes away. Oh my gosh, I would be like uh, making cold calls. I'm like, yeah, you know, this is Bridgestone Pig Farm. We do pigs and horses. Like what? And I never would have gone to look. And then you went and looked, and it was nice, huh? It was a perfect place. Beautiful kind of private drive. So. And your horses get desensitized to pigs. So they get desensitized that. to pigs and chickens, and there's some uh, cows as well. So. It'll be very cute and very fun. So definitely some positivity out of out of that crazy. But what's going on in your life? You have your your COVID pony. I do. I have my COVID pony, Parker. Um, his name is Real of It. I adopted a racehorse, retired racehorse. And you know, I to be my my twenty twenty one fun is I'm going in for surgery on Monday. Uh, I have like like some issues with my shoulder and they're going to go in and like, you know, he was like, well, just use a Dremel and we're going to shave off the bone and smooth it out. I'm like, that sounds great. That sounds super fun. Um, so I'm going to have that done and I'm going to be off for like six weeks, not able to even lead a horse around for six weeks. So mm-hmm. I've been just hopping on old Peter Parker there and just walking him around and all that because, you know, this is actually a perfect time for him to to relax because he is still three. He's not actually four racehorse wise. He's four, but he's not actually four till April. And so I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to give him some time to grow and hang out. So in this next six weeks, he'll just chill and hang out and eat food and do nothing. So (laughs) he's living his best life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you're going to be mostly through winter by that point too. So I think you can have some real fun with him. Yes, yes, yes. And I have one in training right now called Get Country, and he is a three-year-old that is going to be spectacular. Oh, my gosh. I saw his videos today, and I was just like, this horse is dreamy. He is super nice. If anybody's looking for a real big, uh, he's 16-2. Well, he's 16-2 at the Withers and 16-3 at the Croup. So he's going to even out eventually. He's still got some growing to do. I think he'll he'll probably get close to 17 hands. Um, But he is here for training, and he's pretty awesome. And, you know, there's the various revolving door of horses and training here. But I'm in love with my little off-the-track thoroughbred. I say little. He's 16 hands, and he's perfect for me, who's five too. So I'm, I'm in love. It's going good. I'm glad you found a house. But before we move on, we are going to get to hear from our title sponsor at Kentucky Performance Products. She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box. She could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, two, one. Have a great ride. 
She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. Her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability, Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, I don't know about you, Jamie, but I can tell you I am so excited for the 2021 Mega Makeover for the Thoroughbred Makeover this year. And we have double the fun, double the pleasure. And double the horses. It's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) And we have the director of the Retired Racehorse Project with us, Jen Reutz, to kind of give us the inside details of what we can expect. Welcome to the show, Jen. Hi, thanks for having me. Of course. So this is the first ever mega makeover. What's going to be different this year? I feel like we need this excitement to get us started. I know. Well, we've never had a reason to have a double makeover, but (laughs) what better reason than a pandemic to go big? (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, like you said, it's going to be double the horses and double the amount of trips through all of the arenas and and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it was really important to us last year when we were kind of faced with, okay, we're not going to be able to move forward with competition. We did a lot of surveys and a lot of our competitors were not, they were telling us they were not going to be prepared for the competition either um, Mm -hmm. due to a lot of reasons. And so it was really important to us to retain the opportunity for those people to compete because, you know, people get these horses off of the track and put all this training and money and time and energy into them. And they only have one year of eligibility to compete in the makeover. It's not like a horse show that you can do every year over and over. It's like the Derby being just for three-year-olds. The makeover is just for horses in their first year of retraining after racing. So it's really important to us to figure out a way to retain that opportunity for them and, we think that we've got the best plan possible. Kirsten Green on our staff is the like makeover manager. She's like our show manager for that event, and she's incredibly good at logistics. So she and the rest of our team have all been kind of really figuring out, like, how do you do it from the standpoint of getting that many people their time slots to compete over the course of a week and how many, how many judges and arenas you need and how many hours do you need each arena for Mm -hmm. and all that. And then from the standpoint of sponsorship and making sure that, you know, everyone had a tough year this year. So that includes our sponsors and making sure we could retain the sponsorship money for 2020 as well as for 2021. And then also falling in line with COVID guidelines for the state and for the venue. And there's just a lot of, plates spinning but you know our team's incredible and we're really excited to be planning for it and yeah we'll we'll see how it goes but all systems are go and it looks like it's going to be a really really cool week 
That's awesome. I mean, I can't even imagine the logistics that go into putting something together like this, but it's really the true celebration of the thoroughbred. Is Do you guys have a ballpark number of how many horses to expect? You know, we we kind of have an idea of how many we can accommodate, and there's still a few factors in the air on that, so I'm, I don't want to, like, say a specific number, but, like we know about how many are holding over from 2020. So we worked out the logistics to figure out how many total we could accommodate. And so that'll give us kind of a ballpark number of how many we can let in for the 2021 class and still be able to handle the competition. You know, we usually have, I'd say, 400 horses end up competing each year you know usually like last year for example we had about 750 applications I believe but due to attrition like life happens or a horse just isn't mentally prepared or you know there's a million reasons why a horse doesn't make it so our attrition rate over the course of the 10 months of training is usually around 50 percent um, so that means we usually get about 400 or so horses that compete. So we can more or less double that, but we're still trying to figure out exactly how many we can handle. So we know how many we can let in for this year. But I do know, like, we got a ton of applications this year. They, the applications just closed um, a couple days ago on the 15th. And so, you know, it's we're going to have to put a cap on how many we let in. Um, mm-hmm. But that means we're going to utilize the wait list that we instituted last year. And that way, as people have to scratch for whatever reason, we can bring people off of the wait list. And hopefully that gives everyone the most fair possible scenario. That's awesome. Especially it's just the year flexibility. I think that's really been the theme since 2020 and moving into 2021. Now, how is judging going to work for the 2020 competitors versus the 2021? So the criteria that they will be judged on will stay the same. So we're not expecting, like, we're not going to throw any curveballs to the horses that have had two years to prepare instead of one year to prepare, but they won't be judged against one another. So you won't have a 20 20 horse competing against a 2021 horse um Mm -hmm. they'll be judged separately and their scores you know their scores will be um compared to their own class um and then as far as the finale is concerned our plan is to have one finale on saturday for one class of horses and then the other finale on sunday Um, We haven't decided yet if 2020 or 2021 is going to be on Saturday versus Sunday, but that's kind of the plan for that. Very cool. So it's definitely going to, it's double the prizes, double the competitors, double the horses, lots going on. I feel like this is definitely an opportunity that lovers of thoroughbreds shouldn't miss up because, you know, as much as I want to say, I'd love to see this happen all the time. It was due to a pandemic it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to see something like this. What, what do you recommend people who love coming to the makeover, how to follow to get tickets, to get there, to support it? It's also doubled the horses for sale, you know, from every year. So you are looking. (laughs) That's a really good point. We're doing, you know, we've partnered with that OTTB United app, which is um, a horse sale app. Um, And we're also doing 
couple more things online just because we don't know where we are with the pandemic, you know, in October based on what we know now. So we're really trying to make it um, as user friendly as possible, no matter what the scenario is. Um, but yeah, there will be double the horses for sale. That's a really good point. Um, as far as, you know, people wanting to stay abreast of, you know, the latest announcements and happenings, if they want to get on our mailing list, we put ye blasts out one to two times a month with any updates related to it. So I'd say definitely stay on there. Follow us on social media, although like the algorithms on social media change every two seconds. So it's hard to like actually see all of the pages you're following. That's why I think the e-blast might be a little bit more helpful. But between social media and those e-blasts, you know, we'll be putting all of the information out, like any official announcements. We don't know yet if we can have spectators, but we're hoping we can. And I know the, the horse park and U.S. Equestrian Federation is hoping and anticipating by then we will be able to accommodate spectators since they're the guidelines we have to follow. So we're we're really staying in close contact with them too and kind of working with them to create any protocols that need to be in place and just stay abreast of any changes they have in their restrictions or protocols or anything like that. But yeah, it's just kind of like a moving target when it comes to all these restrictions. But I think, you know, it looks like we can still put on a really good event for all of our competitors and still offer a lot to people, whether they're watching in person or on the live stream or anything like that. Perfect. Well, it sounds like a lot of good things to come. And of course, we'll be following it all throughout the year, hoping to bring back the spotlight riders once we find out when competitor entries will be announced. And that's going to be in February, correct? Yeah, yeah, we'll announce in kind of mid-February like we usually do. And I mean, I haven't gotten through all of the um, entries yet, actually. I've barely scratched the surface of looking through the entries. But I think we're going to have a lot of cool entries, both cool horses and like really popular or accomplished or just interesting riders. Like I saw Natalie Voss, who is a journalist in the horse racing industry, she entered uh, to compete in the Thoroughbred Makeover, and she also just became only the second person in history to win two Eclipse Awards in the same year for her writing. And her writing was on aftercare in the Thoroughbred industry, so that's a really cool scenario that could play out. She got a horse off the track that she'd been following as a journalist and wants to compete with him. So I think there's going to be a lot of cool stories like that. Oh, awesome. And fun fact, she may be on an episode of Retired Racehorse Radio coming up. So stay tuned on that. Ooh, what a tease. (laughs) Oh, what a tease. Well, Jen, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find more on the Retired Racehorse Project? They can go to the rrp.org or they can go to tbmakeover.org. Or if anyone has any, you know, questions that they can't find answers to on there or on our social media pages, they're always welcome to email us. You know, the info at rrp.org is always open and they can email me at jroyce at drrp.org or any of us. All of our email addresses and contact information are on the website and we're always available and happy to help with any questions or ideas or anything like that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jen, for coming on. Thank you guys. 
Casual Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions. From cantle bags to horn bags and everything in between, comfort and convenience on the trail is what Casual does best. To stay up to date with the latest products and news, follow Casual Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, visit an authorized dealer or visit casualcompany.com. That's casualcompany.com. So, Jamie, we're going to be talking about something a bit taboo on the show. And that's talking about the racehorse hoof and all the scary things involved with it. We all know that thoroughbreds are notorious for not having the best feet, but we have Alicia Harlow, who's a fellow HRN podcaster from the Humble Hoof, to go over how you can improve your horse's hoof care. Welcome to the show, Alicia. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you, because I have so many questions about how to take care of hooves. (laughs) But to start with that, I'd love to, for you to introduce yourself and, you know, maybe let our listeners know how you got involved in hoof care. Yeah, sure. So totally not hoof related. I started my professional life as a public school music teacher and I was also an equestrian. So I had a horse. I have a BLM Mustang and I thought having a Mustang, I would never have to deal with any hoof issues because Mustangs are, you know, usually thought to be you know, pretty sure-footed and have good feet. But uh, my gelding, Vinny, came up lame um, and was diagnosed with navicular disease. He had bone changes, suspected soft tissue damage, which was then confirmed by an MRI. And basically, you know, I had these amazingly supportive farriers and vets that I worked with. But time and again, I just kept hearing that, you know, this was kind of the end of the road for his written work and his career, and he wasn't going to get sounder with the severity of his issues. And, you know, me being as stubborn as I am, I started researching and learning as much as I could about navicular rehab. I actually found a facility in England that specifically rehabs navicular horses. And so I flew to England and then, um, you know, learned from them. And after that, I, uh, I joined this organization called Progressive Hoof Care Practitioners and started working through their hoof care program on the side, you know, after school and on weekends and during school vacations. And, uh, you know, started traveling the country, doing workshops and clinics and traveling the world. And mm-hmm. when it got to the point that I was researching horses' feet on my prep periods and lunch breaks at work, I knew that I should probably change careers. And so that's what I did. Oh, what a cool, I, for music teacher to farrier, or really horse podiatrist, that's, that's quite a change, but I'm glad you did it so we can all benefit from your knowledge. So Definitely excited. And okay. Jamie has Mustangs too. So nice how that little oh, turnaround came that. <laughs> Yes, I have had three and two of them had the most amazing feet. And the one I currently still have, well, let's see, he would have just been eaten eventually yeah. by a predator. <laughs> so <laughs> I know. even though I a Mustang that- doesn't mean that they have, are born with the great feet. The ones that are born with great feet survive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always tell people that like my gelding probably wouldn't have made it in a while, you know, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> oh, well, speaking of not always meeting, you know, the stereotypes. So for Mustangs having great feet and thoroughbreds having awful feet, is it true that thoroughbreds always have awful feet? Have you worked with thoroughbreds? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm in a, in an area that, uh, 
you know, we have Suffolk Downs or we had Suffolk Downs. They close near us. So we have a ton of off the track thoroughbreds that I trim. I probably trim, you know, dozens of them. And, you know, before I start talking about thoroughbred feet, I feel like I have to give the caveat that like talking about hoof care, you kind of said this, is like talking about religion or politics. And I feel like someone always mm. is, you know, going to get offended. But, um, you know, when, before I get into specifics, like I respect anyone who wakes up in the morning and goes and works on horses feet, like no matter what they do with feet or how they approach it, it is a tough job. And really, you know, it takes a lot of education and a lot of hard work and determination. And, you know, people are out there every single day trying to make these feet better. So I would never want anyone to think I'm, you know, blaming what people are doing with the horse's feet for how they've ended up. But I really think that, you know, off the track thoroughbreds have this stereotype of having, you know, terrible thoroughbred feet, shelly walls, thin soles, underrun or crushed heels. And I do see a lot of thoroughbreds that have that, but then with a little bit of care and attention into their management and their hoof care, I see them become really strong feet. So, you know, I have a friend in Saratoga Springs, New York, Kirsten Proctor. She's also a hoof care provider. She has a lot of experience breeding thoroughbreds. She works on thoroughbreds from foals through adults, some on the track, and she sees some of the best feet on any horses on some of the thoroughbreds she works on. So I don't think that it's a genetics issue. You know, maybe mm. some are more predisposed to having a less robust structure than maybe a Mustang or a or a quarter horse or something like that. But we can see these feet get really healthy with a good approach. Okay. So if it's not so much genetic, could it be potentially from, you know, their routine going on the track, doing their hand walking walkers, gallops, breezes? Is it from that constant routine or is it just, you know, that's just how the, how the cards were dealt for that particular horse? You know, I don't know how every track apo- approaches their uh, daily routine, but I did a little bit of reading to kind of see what, what they do. And, and I have a lot of friends who are farriers for racetracks, so I talked to them too. And I think a lot of times the odds are sort of stacked against them. You know, they're started at a really young age and they're shod at a really young age. And I think that both of these things play a role in what happens to their feet. I'm trying, I don't want to get too technical. So if you, you know, think I'm being a little bit confusing, just feel free to stop me and ask me to clarify, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the structures of the feet, if that's okay. Sure. Go for it. Okay, perfect. So the back of the horse's hoof, you know, if you're looking at it sort of up underneath the frog and behind the heel bulbs and between um, the lateral cartilages is something called the digital cushion. And so if you were to like, you know, take your fingers and palpate their frog and their heel bulbs, you'll be able to squish that and hopefully not too much. (laughs) And that is actually the shock, shock absorber for the hoof. And when they're young or if they're not worked a lot, it starts as this fatty type material called myxoid tissue. And with stimulation and good movement and good biomechanics, it develops into fibrocartilage to allow, you know, the hoof to dissipate these ground reaction forces of all their movement over various surfaces. 
So, you know, thinking about you going to the gym and working out and your muscles get stronger, basically, you know, these horses moving and allowing their hoof capsule to function the way it should, their digital cushion and their internal structures get stronger. You know, just like with us and our muscles, Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. digital cushion has sort of like a use it or lose it uh, ability. So the best way to stimulate and strengthen that digital cushion is good heel first, balanced landings over varying terrain where the frog is getting good engagement, right? So, you know, the the hoof capsule, which I don't think comes as a huge shock, it naturally flexes and deforms on different surfaces. So under load, I mean, think about it, there's like over a thousand pounds of pressure on a limb at full gallop of a thousand pound horse because there's so much forces going down that limb. So under that load, the natural, the hoof capsule naturally deforms and it allows the internal structures to function properly. Um, so when horses are shod really young or, you know, when they're shod, this, the shoe itself stops some of that flexion and deformation of the hoof capsule, not completely, but obviously it doesn't deform as much as a bare foot would. So being shod so young, you know, these thoroughbreds on the track, their frog isn't getting as much engagement. Their hoof capsule isn't functioning the same way as a barefoot would. And that, you know, it really stops it from getting as strong as it could if it were able to just function properly and move in a way that was allowing that natural deformation of the hoof capsule. So, so, you know, fascinating. I'm like, I'm like putting it all together. It's like, oh, that science makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I don't know about every track and all the diets they're on, but everything that I've read and heard is that they're fed really high carb diets, which I get like they're athletes. And much of that is probably being utilized while they're racing. Um, but really, you know, high carb diets aren't conducive to the tightest lamina connection, the healthiest walls, the best hoof growth. And, you know, that can lead to the shelly walls or the, you know, weak hoof wall or thin soles. Um, And as, you know, I was talking about before, movement plays a huge role in healthy feet. And, you know, it it increases circulation in the hoof. So if they're getting limited turnout or small turnout and only taken out to be worked, um, they just have a lot kind of stacked against them. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize that. Like, I don't know if you've heard of Curtis Burns. He was Justify's barrier during the Triple Crown when Justify needed that, like, special shoe for the, um, there was a, a, I don't know if it was a corner or some kind of bruise. Um, and he actually has developed composite shoes for racehorses that are, uh, you know, composite rubber type material. And um, Derek Poupard, who works at Godolphin Racing in Dubai, he does um, hoof casting and 3D prints these composite pads. And he actually train, you know, the, the racehorses that he works on are training barefoot and then cast it or shod just for the race. So they're starting to see that, you know, man, this is really affecting their feet, the health of their feet. So what can we do to mitigate these issues? It almost makes you wonder if like 
by changing the diet of the racehorse to maybe probably a more protein-based diet and then also watching how often they're shot, if it could extend the race life and decrease injuries on the racetrack. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually have a podcast episode coming out um, in a few days with Derek Poupard, who works at Godolphin Racing. And I asked him specifically about diet and nutrition. And he was saying that, you know, mineral, like horses that he sees that have weak feet do go on minerals and but he thinks that being started so young and shod so young is really causing issues. Hmm. But he did say that barefoot training, he's seen recovery time cut in half, if not more. So that was really interesting. Definitely fascinating. And I feel like we could spend hours throwing theories on that too, because it's just something that I would love to learn more about. But we'll dive into something that our listeners would probably love to learn more that can affect them today is when they adopt their racehorse, what are some things they can do to start transitioning them and getting those healthy feet started for that second career? Yeah. Um, so I have seen a lot of clients who adopt thoroughbreds right off the track. And, you know, obviously they have a, a period of time where they let them down. And I usually have owners right away change their diet to a forage-based diet, mm. so, you know, as much hay as possible. Well, most of the thoroughbreds I see are typically a bit harder keepers. So just, you know, giving them as many calories as they can from hay mm -hmm. and then a forage based meal like Timothy grass pellets or speedy beet or something that's going to give them calories without the sugar and starch. And then a good balanced mineral supplement with high levels of copper and zinc and amino acids. And that. I mean, it gives their body the nutrients they need, but it also is giving their feet the nutrients they need. And we know it takes, you know, up to nine months, if not more, to grow mm -hmm. a totally new hoof capsule. So you start this diet and over the next year, you can just watch their feet change. Um, and, you know, I, I like to take a lot of pictures, document that, and then also film them moving in slow motion to see how they're moving biomechanically, if they're really extending and just watching their movement change over time as they're coming off the track on a different diet, you know, turned out more, getting better movement and hoof care, you know, getting their frogs treated if they have thrush or anything like that. And it's really amazing to see how these feet can really come along. Okay. And what about, should, is, should there be a period where they're barefoot when they first come on? If they, or can they be shooed and transition to barefoot? What, what, have you seen in your experience? Yeah, uh, I guess I don't, I'm a little bit biased in my answer because I am 90% barefoot in my business and I have maybe 10% of the horses I see that are shod in composite glue-on shoes. So I don't work with metal. So anytime anyone calls me, they know that most likely we're going to start off barefoot right away. So <laughs> if they call me that they get a horse right off the track, um, I usually mention to them to change diet um, a cycle or two before pulling their shoes because mm -hmm. it gives their feet sort of a head start in calming any inflammation that might be from, you know, excess sugar and starch um, and allowing that copper and zinc to start to, to get that tighter lamina connection growing in. And then a lot of the times when I pull their shoes, I'll have boots and pads ready for comfort because I never want to see a horse 
you know, hobbling around in pain. I don't think that's fair to anyone or the horse. Yeah. So you're um, not like one of those, like, suck it up. They'll be fine. <laughs> it's like, no, oh, no, <laughs> no. And I actually get like probably irrationally angry when I see comments like that because, you know, horses don't know why we're putting them through what we're putting them through. And yeah. I think it's a little bit cruel to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I say like use boots and pads if they're uncomfortable uh, there's a product I really like called Hoof Armor. It's made by this really great um, farrier, David Jones, in Pennsylvania, actually. And it's a Kevlar-based epoxy. And you just, you know, put it on their soles, and it lasts like four to six weeks. They have some horses that completed Tevis in it. Um, and it's inexpensive and easy to do. And I put that on pretty much every single horse that I pull out of shoes. And some, it makes them, you know, instantly comfortable. Some, it just helps them gain a little soul depth because it prevents wear. Um, So I'll use that a lot. But yeah, I never want to see them in pain. (laughs) I don't think that's fair. That totally makes sense. I mean, none of us ever want to see that. So I primarily keep my horses barefoot. So I love hearing, you know, a farrier talk about the importance of that. But I've done shoes as well as needed. I was going to say, I love keeping them barefoot, but some of them just can't do it. So, you yeah. know, I get a lot of horses that cycle through here for training right off the track. And, and I usually, usually have to pull their race plates if they're still, you know, wearing four by the time they get to the rescue, but they, they go there and some of them I've pulled the shoes off and they're like, cool, I can go back to work. And then the, the one I adopted, of course, is like, oh my God, you pull my shoes. I can't even walk on concrete. It's killing me. You know? So it's like, you kind of have to read the needs of your own horse and like like alicia was saying like there's no blanket mm-hmm. stay like look at your horse what is your horse telling you and and i think that uh that's kind of where where you need to go and alicia i love that you consult and you do all sorts of different things and you're not like no shoes you know as a barefoot trainer there's so many of them it seems that are like that so mm-hmm. i love what you do you're doing great alicia where can people get a hold of you or learn more yeah, I mean, I have a podcast too called The Humble Hoof, and my website is thehumblehoof.com. Um, and I'm always, you know, open to people reaching out or giving suggestions for who they want to have on, you know, here on my podcast or topics. So people can feel free to email me or reach out about that. Of course, you can find The Humble Hoof at horseradionetwork.com. Love having our sisters on with us. Mm hmm. Yeah, thank you so much. This is great. Thanks, thanks, Alicia. Thanks, Alicia. Well, we are entering a new year shortly, thank God. If you're looking to start the year off right, then consider a new Bait Saddle. Bait Saddles are the saddle brand that truly puts your horse first. Enjoy comfort, optimum balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. Consider the new Bait's Artiste Dressage Saddle. It features a movable flexi-contour block, adjustable ergonomic stirrup bar, and luxe leather. The new Bait's Artiste Dressage Saddle has a position so natural and a connection so sensitive that the saddle all but disappears and your performance is amplified. Let's hear what Allie Saxon of the United States Inventor has to say about it. I really like the streamline look that it gave. Um, I love the Avanta and I love the close contact of the Avanta. And I saw very similar features in this saddle as the Avanta had. So I was really excited to see how it felt once I sat in it. Sitting in it, I liked the close contact feel that it gave it right away. Um, with the Webers, it also gave the ability to kind of really wrap your leg around without having any interference. 
Um, right away the balance felt super, uh, very comfortable, the panels were nice and soft on my thigh. Everything about the saddle was clearly well thought through and as a rider it's nice to sit down in a saddle that feels designed not just for you but also for the horse's comfort. Learn all about Bates Saddles at BatesSaddles.com. That's BatesSaddles.com. And from the back of the pack on the outside, Commanding Curve is taken second, but California Chrome shines right in the Kentucky Derby! And now it's time for the New Vocations Winner Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. It's that time of the week again where we meet with the Kentucky Facility Director and Trainer of New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program in Lexington, Kentucky. Put that in a business card, Leandra. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That's a lot to go for. Hey, I hear a massive, massive congratulations are in order. Absolutely. I mean, among many of our things that we're super proud of from our this last year with a record number of adoptions and whatnot, we are so fortunate to have the massive backing of a couple that's been supporters of ours since our founding, and that's the Rob Sham. So we received a $500,000 donation to our endowment fund, which is like our lifeline. So uh, the endowment fund for new vocations was started in 2005. And that's the fund that is our, our bloodstream. It keeps us going. And in especially trying times, like what we've experienced with COVID-19, which has resulted in our live fundraising events uh, being canceled because of just concerns and the risks and all that. So we weren't able to do our live events, which so we took a hit for that. And several of our grants were decreased just because there's need everywhere. So in those times when we're going against these challenges, we're, we're so lucky to be able to have this endowment fund to begin with and to have this $500,000 donation to support that has meant and integrity and this ability for us to keep going despite everything that's happening and to continue to hit massive landmarks like we did this last year. So for us, this is such a, um, I mean, a blessing. It doesn't even cover it. It's a massive donation. We're so, so grateful, but it means that we'll be able to continue helping many, many horses for years to come. So it is, it is so exceptional. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is five. I mean, that mm, half a million dollars. Way to go. I mean, half that's incredible. <laughs> incredible. So that money goes into your account. When you say lifeline, what does that money go to? Does that go to vet bills or feed or paying employees or all of those things? So we have separate funds to just sort of like the general upkeep. So if that took a hit, we could always back that up. It's sort of like imagine a generator. So you have a sort of running system that's healthy and it supports itself. But if we run into those rainy day situations, if there's anything that sort of threatens the way that we can survive, then we have this endowment to be this generator to sort of kick in. So it's something that we um, we're able to sort of know it's there in the back of our mind, but we don't need to dip into all the time. So to have that sort of massive buffer, um, you know, of that money alone and to build on top of what we've already got just to 
keep us going, to be our solid foundation means that we can continue to run without sort of sacrificing what what you're talking about, the sort of everyday sort of things. So um, our employees' income, the vet care for the horses, the farrier, the blankets, like everything that we do on a daily basis, we don't have to sacrifice um, in the time of need because we are able to supplement it with that endowment fund. Man, that's exciting. That is definitely got to be a breath of fresh air. Nice relief. You know, it's like when you, when you stop worrying about money so much, Oh, you could just feel like a lot of pressure off of you. So anyway, uh, what we usually have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You won the lottery. Congratulations. Um, So (laughs) let's talk a little bit about Madman, which, by the way, is a ridiculously awesome name. He is a 2016 17-hand bay gelding. And uh, what's he like? You know, it's funny because we actually sticked him just to make sure because, you know, that 17-hand marker, people like to say, well, you know, is is he really 17-hand? So we know for sure he's 17-hand, and he's still at that sort of gangly, awkward phase where he's muscling up and then grows a little bit. So this is just 17-hand as a, you know, now five-year-old, which means he's still developing, he's still growing, and this is one of those type of horses who's just a gentle giant. We describe him as a puppy dog sort of personality in his description, but he is through and through. This is a horse who has an exceptionally mellow personality. He takes new challenges in stride and has just been a good citizen around the barn in general. And with him, um, like we ran into uh, an abscess that he had in one of his hind legs. And even as a patient, you know, some horses, they get a little frustrated being a patient and he's just never minded at all. You could stand him in the cross eyes, dress his foot, do some soakings. And this is a horse who just was okay with everything. He's, he's unbothered. But in the time that we've been able to get him, start getting him back into shape and working, there's just, he, through and through, this is a horse who, like, what you see is what you get. He is unfazed by everything. You can work in a ring that's busy with lots of other horses. You can work outside, inside, and he just is he's a cool horse. And I think that he could go in a lot of different directions. It's hard to just peg him down to being an exceptional prospect in one discipline or another because he shows talent in so many different areas. But he certainly has pretty striking pedigree. He's got Medaglia Doro, Gone West, Blushy Groom, who I really like. There are just some really sort of target bloodlines that indicate that he could be a really exceptional sport horse. So we're really thinking that he's going to be fun for somebody. And he's so easygoing that he doesn't need somebody who is a really, really high-level rider to develop him into something. This is a horse who's going to be a pretty versatile mount for, for many people. That's a fantastic. That's really nice to find because there's so many, like, like one of my students, you know, she's a, she was a leggy teenager and she needed a big horse, but she also needed a big quiet horse. And those are really hard to right. find. So it sounds like you've got a really a good one there. And his name is Madman, which sounds like he's, you know, the opposite of his name. And you can find mm-hmm. him on horseadoption.com or your new vocations website. And he's in Kentucky, right? Yes. 
for the whopping adoption fee of $1,000. That's ridiculous. Well, fantastic. Everybody go check out Madman on New Vocations. And uh, we appreciate everything. Lander, congratulations once again. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Well, Joy, it's been awesome. You know, you guys can find our show notes and links to today's guest on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search for Retired Racehorse Radio or follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. Make sure to check out Jamie's Facebook page, Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor, or shoot her an email at jamie at horseradionetwork.com. My email is joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at the foodie equestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Bait Saddles, and Cashel Products. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Bye, guys. Bye.